0: Hey everybody. It's another episode of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast for Monday, November 25th, 2019, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and every day here. We're talking Penn State football. Yes, even after a loss, we'll talk about everything that happened with the Nittany Lions. Hi, everybody. My name is Kevin McGuire. I'm your host today, as always, here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. And please make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms so you can stay up to date and never miss a single episode we do these episodes every monday through friday and yes even this week during the thanksgiving week we are going to do an episode every day including thursday so make sure you're subscribed make sure you leave a rating and a review let us know how we're doing let us know what you want to see from us moving forward and of course it does just help with the placement of the show in those various podcasting apps Coming up in today's episode, lots of reaction from Penn State's 28-17 setback on the road against Ohio State over the weekend. Is there a quarterback situation we need to discuss? How exactly does that loss impact Penn State's bowl outlook? And really, what is the biggest difference between Penn State and Ohio State if Penn State is looking to take that next step? We'll discuss it all in today's episode, so sit back, relax, get your week started on the right foot, even though Penn State's coming off a loss. We'll try to get you through it with today's episode, and every episode for the remainder of the week as we close out the regular season for the Penn State football season right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and get this episode started. Before I dig in with some of my reactions to Penn State's loss at Ohio State over the weekend, I want to make note of a couple things. First of all, I'm recording this episode a little bit earlier on a Sunday than I usually do, so I don't have the latest AP and coaches polls in front of me. I will comment on those in tomorrow's episode, the Tuesday episode, as we also look ahead to what the latest college football playoff rankings could look like. So I may comment a little bit on what to expect out of the polls, but they really won't mean much uh, as far as where we're going in today's episode. I also want to say that as I'm recording this episode, again, I'm doing this a little bit earlier than I usually do on a Sunday, but it is mostly rain that's coming down, but I'm also seeing a wintery mix. So (laughs) here we go, guys. It's that time of the year. And I guess uh, we should comment on the fact that if you listened to any episode last week, you already kind of got the sense that I didn't expect Penn State to win this game. OK, they were a big underdog for a very good reason. That's because Ohio State has been so dominant all season long. They've been playing really good football offensively and defensively. And we've seen Penn State has had a little bit of a, a struggle the last few weeks to, uh, in games against Minnesota and Indiana. While they had a chance to win that game at Minnesota, we know that th- they things definitely could have been better for Penn State on the field offensively and defensively in both those games and coming into that game against Ohio State I fully expected that Ohio State was going to see what was uh, hurting Penn State in the past defense the last couple of weeks especially at the start of games and I thought that they were going to attack that right from the get-go and uh, I gotta give credit to Ryan Day and Ohio State they were fully prepared to attack Penn State's strength on defense which was the run defense and yeah, I think it was very important for Ohio State to come out and flex some muscle in that area because they they knew that they had a good running game. But J.K. Dobbins, I, I've said this before, I think he's the best running back in the Big Ten. No disrespect to Jonathan Taylor. I just think J.K. Dobbins is a, a bigger, badder animal <laughs> on running the football. And I think that you, when you had that as a strength and the fact that justin fields can take off and run to make some plays uh, we saw a mix of both of those guys getting involved right off the bat and heading right at this penn state defense which has been very good against the run all season long but that was a strength that ohio state was going to take advantage of and just see what they could do and I gotta give credit you know 91 yards i think it was on the opening drive to start the game for ohio state not to start the game but their first offensive series Really set the tone right from the start. And again, Penn State's offense got off to a slow start. Kind of expected this uh, because this was going to be their biggest defensive challenge all season long. Things did not go well offensively at all in that first half. And that really kind of hurt Penn State's chances uh, to be able to win this game. Because that third quarter comes around, they go down 21-0 with the touchdown drive by Ohio State to start the second half. But then Penn State does make some plays happen. And obviously, we know that Sean Clifford got banged up, had to leave the game. Will Levis comes in and provides a little bit of a spark. You know, there is something to be said about a backup quarterback that is confident and being able to to generate that energy that's needed. I'm not going to say that Penn State doesn't come back and score those points if Sean Clifford stays in the game. We're going to get into that discussion in a little bit. But I got to give Penn State so much credit for the way that they battled back. I know we don't like to... Talk about moral victories in football because they ultimately mean don't mean anything, <laughs> because a, a loss in the in the record book is ultimately the the more damaging thing here. But obviously, there's something to be said about the, the the grittiness of a team to come back on the road in that environment against what I think is the best team in college football, and and make a game of this in the fourth qu- going into the fourth quarter uh, against a team that has not been challenged like this all season long. I think that's a tremendous credit to Penn State and the coaching staff and just the talent and the personality that they have on this roster. All things considered, this was another loss to Ohio State that hurts Penn State, obviously. It it kills off the playoff hopes. Uh, They were probably pretty slim to begin with knowing that you had to beat Ohio State, and that was probably not going to happen. But I think that the the way that they battled back, I think that's going to be respected by the playoff committee, and we'll talk about this more in tomorrow's episode as we look forward to the playoff rankings but i don't expect penn state to be hammered too hard here when the polls do come out and again the ap and coaches poll will be out by the time you're listening to this we'll see how that actually affected them i'm not expecting penn state to have a tremendous fall here nor do i think that they deserve it yes offensively they could have been a lot better in that first half but you got to give credit to ohio state again best team in the country as far as i'm concerned i said that going into last week's game and i'm saying that coming out of it as well I think defensively, especially when they have Chase Young back, you know, they are a tremendous team right now. And this is probably one of the best Ohio State teams we've seen in quite some time. And as far as Chase Young is concerned, there is way too many one-on-one coverage of him. (laughs) No disrespect. This offensive line may may be improved from past years, but you cannot... Take on Chase Young one on one with anyone on your offensive line. That's just not going to work. And he was causing problems all day long. He was in the backfield from the start to finish. He really made some big plays in the second half when Ohio State really needed them to to make some plays. And you know what? Obviously, you know as far as Will Evans is concerned, it it was it was interesting to see him come in and Penn State put together those big plays. You know, defense came up big, forcing some turnovers and getting some recoveries. And the offense took advantage of those. Um, and the, the rally was fun while it lasted. But in the fourth quarter, uh, we saw once again that Ohio State just has the talent to finish the job. And Penn State does not in this kind of a situation. And that's been the story the last few years, especially against Ohio State. Continue to be the story once again here. So we'll evaluate you know, Penn State based on what they do against Ohio State, probably for the next few years as well doesn't mean that Penn State is in a bad spot. They really are in a solid foundation right now as far as this program is concerned with what James Franklin's doing with recruiting and the player development. And there's still some ways to go if they're going to take that next step to being elite. We'll talk a little bit more about that in, in the next segment. All right, guys, this is the Locked On Nittany Alliance podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked Nittany. Let me tell you about Roman. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to getroman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. If you can't visit Roman right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. It seems no matter what level of football you're talking about, everybody's going to love the backup quarterback, and everybody wants to see the backup quarterback come in and get his chance to lead the way. And sometimes it's needed. Sometimes you have to make a quarterback change. Now, we saw this conversation pop up as a result of this game between Penn State and Ohio State over the weekend, where Sean Clifford, who James Franklin said has been banged up the last few weeks, was injured, left the game in the third quarter. Did not return. Will Levis continue to stay in the game and lead Penn State's offense for the remainder of the second half, including the 17-point rally in the third quarter, where it looked like Penn State may have had something to work with against Ohio State and certainly put Ohio State in a situation they haven't been in all season long. So the obvious discussion that some people will have is maybe Penn State should change their quarterback right now. I think that's a little bit of a, a rush to judgment there based on a very, very small sample size. I think if Sean Clifford is healthy, I don't think there's any reason to make the decision there to make a quarterback change. And, you know, Will Levis is probably a very talented quarterback. I think we saw some positive things coming out of him, and there's certainly some good upside potential there for his future. But I don't think that you're going to take Sean Clifford out of this position right now just based on what happened in that third quarter against Ohio State. Remember, uh, Will Levis also threw an interception in the fourth quarter. But um, again, I'm not going to rip a backup quarterback for throwing a pick in the fourth quarter uh, when you have relatively limited playing experience against one of the best defenses in the country in their stadium. Uh, So I'm not going to rip Will Levis for that interception. And I'm certainly not going to go overboard with praising him for what Penn State was able to do. I don't know if Penn State scored 17 straight points the way they did if Sean Clifford stays in the game and he's healthy, obviously the offense was kind of stagnant for quite some time with Sean Clifford as the quarterback. But he did start the third quarter. He was there for part of that drive where they started to, to move the football and put themselves in position to score the game uh, for their first score in the game. But I don't think that this is a situation where it needs to be hotly debated about who should be the quarterback for Penn State. The bottom line here is Penn State's going to get a chance to rebound in their final game of the season at home against Rutgers, a team that everybody has been able to handle pretty handily this season. So I don't know if you need to make a decision right now. If you want to rest Sean Clifford for the final game of the season, not risk any further injury to him, perfectly fine with that. This is the perfect game to be able to do that. Will Levis should be able to be able to take over the offense and have no problem uh, with Penn State getting a win against Rutgers in the final game of the regular season to go 10 and 2. Then what you do in the bowl game could be very interesting. It's something to at least keep an eye on. But again, I don't think this is a discussion that needs to be given too much weight moving forward as far as this season's concerned. Maybe we start to open up the books a little bit going into next year. But I still think if Sean Clifford's healthy, we've seen that he is capable of producing wins at Penn State. We certainly saw that a number of times this season. He was a quarterback against Michigan. He won on the road at Iowa. Had a chance to win the game at Minnesota, although three interceptions is a knock against him. But again, James Franklin said that he's been banged up the last couple weeks, and and we have certainly seen that. I'm not saying that that's an excuse for throwing three interceptions against Minnesota, but there is some some concern about just what his status is moving forward. But again, I don't see any reason to make any kind of a quarterback change, but if you want to go with Will Levis against Rutgers and give Sean Clifford uh, an extra week off to heal up, I think now is the perfect time to be able to do that. And then we'll see what happens going into the bowl season. Obviously, after this loss at Ohio State, people have questions. And we're going to address some of them right now. I asked for some questions before I hit record on this episode and on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. Also, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Nittany. And the first question that pops in comes from Andy. Where did the Lions come up short versus Ohio State? Depth, talent, execution, coaching? Can Franklin ever have them at the same level? Lots of questions to get into right here. I'm going to keep this very simple, okay? We saw very clearly that Ohio State has playmakers that can make the plays that you need, and Penn State does not. And that was probably the case last year. And this is most notable at the wide receiver position. Chris Olave for Ohio State is a rising star for the Buckeyes this season. He's been a lot of fun. He's made a lot of big catches. And Penn State just doesn't have that guy. Obviously, KJ Hamler is, uh, is their big playmaker. He uses his speed to his advantage. Very quiet against Ohio State, of course, but you know credit Ohio State for being prepared for that. But I also think that it helps having a guy like, like Chris Olave who can go out and just grab a football. You can have a quarterback that's going to throw the football in a spot where there is no wide receiver, but he knows his receiver is going to be there because he's ready and he knows his routes and he has good hands to make that catch. Chris Olave is that guy for Ohio State. Penn State doesn't have that. So that is an area where Penn State does need to find some talent there that's capable of coming up and making those big plays in the passing game. Really help out the quarterback too. So I think that talent and skill positions are still an area where Penn State has some benefits going for them. They do have some good, they obviously have a great tight end. They've got KJ Hamler who is explosive and they do have some talented running backs. I'm not going to knock them for that either. But getting a big play wide receiver like you see at Alabama, like you see at Clemson, and like we see at Ohio State, that is what can make the big difference in a game. Remember Allen Robinson? (laughs) Yeah, Penn State has had some good wide receivers. They just don't have one of those guys, it seems like right now, like Godwin or Allen Robinson. They need one of those kind of guys that can get you a football when you absolutely need it in the passing game. So that's something an area where Ohio State has an advantage in overall talent, and that comes through recruiting, maybe a little bit in player development. I think depth is certainly something Ohio State has a clear advantage over Penn State and just about everybody in the Big Ten. And that's a credit to the way that Urban Meyer has recruited uh, throughout his career at Ohio State. Remember, Ohio State always recruited very well. But when Urban Meyer came in, he really ramped things up where Ohio State was getting some of those top classes in the country. Not the number one class, but certainly in the top five. And when everybody else in the Big Ten is outside the top ten, that is a big difference. And they've had they've been doing that for a number of years. And Brian Day is certainly continuing that process moving forward. So there is a gap that has to be closed as far as the depth is concerned. Because Ohio State has had the head start through some brilliant recruiting over the years. I'm an Urban Meyer. It's not going to be slowing down any now with uh, Ryan Day. I'm pretty sure Ohio State probably picked up a big recruit over the weekend as well. So, or maybe two. But I think that depth is certainly something that it's closing, but we still see a significant difference between Ohio State and and Penn State, and to be fair, between Ohio State and everybody else in the Big Ten, too. So it's not just Penn State's problem, everybody's trying to catch up to Ohio State in that regard. As far as the coaching is concerned, we're going to hear the same issues once again. James Franklin can't win a big game, Ricky Ronnie has an offensive game plan that kind of uh, stalls and is stagnant sometimes, and they don't adjust quickly enough. I don't know if that's all necessarily fair. I do think that you know, Penn State was a 19 point underdog, 18 point underdog for a very good reason. I can't knock a coach for losing a game when he's that big of an underdog. Now, if you want to go back to the concerns about the the quality of your roster, that's a completely different situation. But as far as game planning and execution, yeah, there were some questions about how this offense started the game. That has to be under a microscope. Only having 64 yards in the first half, granted against a very good defense, that is a bad spot to be in, I think, if you're a head coach. You got to go back and evaluate what did not work here for this offense to get off on the right foot? What can you do differently moving forward? So that is part of execution. It is a part of coaching and, and game planning. I, I think it's worth a criticism, but again, I'm not going to go too overboard for ripping Penn State and James Franklin for losing a the game. They should have lost, okay? They absolutely should have lost this game. I'm not going to say anything otherwise on that, but I do think, you know, certainly, I think Ryan Day is a good coach. I think uh, Ohio State's coaching staff very good. Obviously, we know about Larry Johnson, but uh, that Ohio State coaching staff is very good. And Penn State's is good. Let's not, let's not forget that we're looking at a very likely a 10-2 and two regular season as a worst case scenario here, because I don't think they're going to lose this week against Rutgers. And winning 10 games for the third time in the last four years, that's got to be a credit to the coaching staff. And it's not like they're doing it with Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley and Joe Moorhead this year. This is a good coaching staff that has put together a good team. It's just not ready to take that next step to be elite, like James Franklin has been saying all along. And I think that that comes with comparing what you do against Ohio State, which has been the gold standard. I have a few more of your questions to get into in the next segment. We'll also take a look at what this loss means for Penn State's bowl outlook. I still think it's looking pretty rosy right now. We'll talk about that in the final segment of today's episode here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So like I said, a game like this one against Ohio State is going to raise a lot of questions and reaction from fans, and we do have a couple more questions that came in on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at Kevin on CFB. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked on Nittany. The next question comes from Honest Jay Paterno, who's always chiming in with questions, by the way. Uh, that's fine with me. First question from him is, Are Ronnie and Clifford limiting each other's upside? That's an interesting question, because I do think that Ricky Ronnie uh, has some room for some criticism in some points. I think more with the, uh, the play calling, I don't know if necessarily he's the reason that we've seen Sean Clifford kind of have some ups and downs this season. I just think it's a young quarterback. That's kind of coming into his own as a starting quarterback. And I think you can go back to last year and you see what Ricky Ronnie did with Trace McSorley. McSorley didn't have his greatest year either, but I do think that it might be something to keep an eye on. But I don't know if we're necessarily at a point where we can say that the offensive coordinator is holding back a quarterback. I do think that Sean Clifford is still growing and still maturing, still learning, I should say, still evolving in his role as a starting quarterback at this level of football. And again, when you've got a player that's still so young, I don't know if I necessarily see any reason for too much concern moving forward. I think, you know, I don't know if we've necessarily seen regression during the season from Sean Clifford. Again, I just think that the schedule has got a little bit more difficult. We've seen some better teams thrown at them. We've seen the offensive line not give him quite the same kind of protection that maybe he had at other points during the season. I I, don't. Don't know if I would necessarily say that Ricky Ronnie is limiting Sean Clifford or vice versa. I don't think Sean Clifford is a quarterback that's holding back the offensive coordinator. Uh, there might be some timidness at some point, though, to maybe not test your sophomore quarterback the way you probably would have with an experienced Trace McStory. But I think over time, we'll have to be uh, more mindful of just exactly where the situation is between the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. So I don't think it's uh, the appropriate time right now to suggest that there's one limiting the other in any way. Another question from J. Paterno. Is the transfer portal a new form of currency and political capital for good coaches considering leaving for other schools? The transfer portal is fascinating to me right now because really the last couple of years, we've been talking about the transfer portal. Players are leaving and entering the transfer portal almost on a given day, any given day, and you just never know what's going to happen. And I think there's a lot... That hinges on some of the players that you're able to bring in through the transfer portal. And I think for a coach that is in dire need of some big time playmakers on his team, the transfer portal can really bail you out sometimes. And I'm not going to say it has bailed out Ohio State this year, but certainly having Justin Fields come from Georgia to Ohio State and being able to play immediately this season has certainly impacted their expectations for the season because I don't know if we're talking about an undefeated Ohio State that is number two in the country if Justin Fields is not eligible to play this season. There's still a lot of talent there. There's still still a very good team if Justin Fields isn't eligible this year, but being able to bring him in from Georgia through the transfer portal and have him play immediately this season – to me, it was a game changer because you've got a quarterback who can pretty much do it all, and we saw a little bit of that, uh, you know, on Saturday's game. Granted, he did have two fumbles; he did lose the one fumble in the end zone, and he had the one fumble in the third quarter as Penn State was putting together their their furious rally in the third quarter. So he did have some mistakes and some errors, but I still think you know there were far more good plays that Justin Fields was uh, credited for uh, against Penn State, and that was a part of the reason why Ohio State was able to get off to the lead that they did. So I think the transfer portal is pretty much like recruiting, where you're hoping to get some of the best players you possibly can to put together some higher expectations for your season, uh, whether it's the upcoming season or the next season, whatever the case may be. I don't know if it necessarily means anything as far as the coach is concerned, because I think the players that are coming in through the transfer portal more than likely... You're going to get some key quarterbacks, of course. Maybe you'll get a key wide receiver or running back. But I I think, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if it necessarily means anything for a coach's uh, ability to be on the hot seat or not. And this is not a suggestion that James Franklin needs to be on any kind of a hot seat because I've addressed that before. I think any kind of talk like that is absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Again, we're talking about a possible 10 2 season in a season where not a whole lot of people expected the kind of results we are seeing from Penn State. So, I think as far as the transfer portal is concerned, I I think it certainly helps a coach in some situations, but I don't necessarily think at all it's going to impact what's going to happen with a coach's uh, uh, job status at the end of the year. If a coach is on the hot seat, he's going to be on the hot seat regardless of what player he brings in the transfer portal. And granted, you, you could bring in some talented players through the transfer portal, and if you still struggle, you're still going to be in a bad spot. So that makes it even worse, probably. So I don't think there's any value to a coach's job security as far as the transfer portal goes. So I don't know if that necessarily means anything moving forward for any coach out there. Uh, obviously, if you have a lot of players leaving through the transfer portal, that might be a, more of a concern. Uh, and I think in that case, uh, a coach like Mark Antonio probably should be a little bit more concerned than he probably is about his job status. But I think as far as most coaches are going, uh, I would not worry about the transfer portal one bit because players are always going to leave. Transfer, players are always transferring. They may be transferring at a higher frequency now. I think the, the rules are a little bit more relaxed and more beneficial to the player. And honestly, I'm fine with that. I don't think there's any reason to adjust how that impacts a coach moving forward. All right, let's talk about real quick the, the bowl outlook now for Penn State. And I, th- I still say the Rose Bowl is a very real scenario in play here for Penn State. We'll obviously get a better sense for where Penn State stands once we get the new College Football Playoff rankings. And again, we will talk about that in tomorrow's episode as we preview what to expect and what to look for in the College Football Playoff rankings. But the bottom line is, I don't think Penn State's going to fall very far here after their loss to Ohio State. I do think a couple of Big Ten teams are going to move ahead of them, though. Minnesota is absolutely going to move ahead of them as they as they should at this point for sure. I think there's a chance Michigan could pass them, which would be interesting because Penn State does have the head-to-head win and Penn State does have some good quality wins as well. Michigan also has some good quality wins now too. So I, I think the, the playing field's a little bit more even now than a lot of Penn State fans may want to admit, especially with what Michigan has been playing the last couple of weeks, since their game against Penn State, or even including their game at Penn State. Uh, so Michigan could be just a team to keep an eye on. But here's the thing. The Rose Bowl is going to take the, the highest ranked Big Ten team available to them. So if Ohio State's in the playoff, your pool is probably going to come down to Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn state and Michigan. Okay. Well, if if Ohio state's in the playoff, that very likely means that they're going to beat Michigan. So Michigan will fall down to a three losses. They'll fall behind Penn state. If they're not already behind Penn state, Uh, they will have beaten Minnesota or Wisconsin. And that if, if recent history is any indication, a two loss, Minnesota is probably going to fall behind a two loss Penn state. And Wisconsin would have their third loss of the season too. So It's almost like you're rooting for Ohio State to get into the college football playoff because that ultimately means that Penn State, with a win against Rutgers, will finish 10-2, still be in a very good position, possibly to be in the top 10. We'll see how that all plays out when all is said and done, but that would certainly put Penn State in a very good position. They would be a very attractive option for the Rose Bowl. Minnesota is the big key here because if the Rose Bowl has a chance to take Minnesota, let's say Minnesota beats Wisconsin this weekend. uh, Minnesota goes to the Big Ten championship game with one loss. I think there's a very good possibility Minnesota would be going to the Rose Bowl because I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State. And uh, obviously if Minnesota beats Ohio State, maybe Minnesota's in the playoff, in which case Ohio State goes to the Rose Bowl. But bottom line, Ohio State was just in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Rose Bowl's not opposed to taking the same team two years in a row if it's available. But if Ohio State wins out, Minnesota, let's say, loses to Wisconsin, that's probably a really good spot for Penn State. and I think that's probably the best case scenario. If you're looking for the Rose Bowl, you're rooting for Wisconsin this week to take care of Minnesota and knock that team out of the equation there. And I, I obviously, I think if the, the recent polls or any indication from the selection committee, they will still put Penn State ahead of Minnesota uh but that still remains to be seen it's not definitive just yet but that feels like the likely scenario here for Penn State so go ahead and take care of Rutgers this week and go ahead and finish the year 10 and 2 see where the chips fall at the end of the year but i think the Rose Bowl is still a very likely possibility if Penn State doesn't get to the Rose Bowl though they're they're probably still in the mix for a New Year's Six Bowl game, I'd have to take a closer look at the the other scenarios out there because I don't know where the Orange Bowl situation is right now, uh, maybe the Cotton Bowl. But I think the Rose Bowl is the, the most likely scenario here for Penn State. If not, we could be talking about a Citrus Bowl maybe. I don't know. I think it's a pretty big drop-off, it seems, uh, if they don't get into the Rose Bowl. But I think it's a very real possibility. We'll explore it a little bit more maybe in tomorrow's episode and maybe uh, throughout the week as well as we start to look forward to where Penn State goes from here because we obviously know that Rutgers is coming up and in tomorrow's episode we will take a look at Rutgers painfully so we will do so (laughs) it's our obligation to do that Uh, but we have uh, one more game on the regular season to schedule to look forward to and we'll see how it all plays out from there Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, a lot of stuff to unpack here in today's episode as we react from Penn State's loss to Ohio State. There's still some more ground we can cover, and maybe we'll pick up some more pieces of that in tomorrow's episode as we go forward with Tuesday's episode. Looking forward to the upcoming college football playoff rankings. We'll get our first look at the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, the next and last team on Penn State's regular season schedule this season. And we'll, again, address some more of your questions and concerns coming out of this loss to Ohio State. Let me know what questions you have. Best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Submit your questions at any time. We always check the mentions before we hit record, and we'll also throw out a tweet asking for your questions if you have any last-second additions to the show. We'll comment on those as well. You can also check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Give us a like there. Share these episodes with your friends and family on your Facebook feed. And of course, subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can also tell Alexa to play this podcast in your home or your office, anywhere you may be. It's a pretty cool feature. Check it out if you get the chance. And of course, you can also leave a rating and a review because we appreciate the feedback. We want to know what you guys think about the show and how we can improve it moving forward. It also helps with the placement of our show on those various podcasting platforms. So if you want to help us grow the show a little bit, leave a rating, leave a review. It's greatly appreciated. So like I said, in tomorrow's episode, we'll look forward to the next batch of college football playoff rankings. Tell you where Penn State should be, what to look for in those rankings. We'll take a look at Rutgers and we'll continue to pick up some more pieces from this loss to Ohio State because there is a lot on people's minds coming out of that loss as we come down to the final week of the regular season. Again, it is Thanksgiving this week. We will do episodes every day as we typically do, so you have something to listen to on your car ride to grandma's over the river and through the woods to Thanksgiving dinner or whatever you may be doing. Hey, if you're just staying at home and you're cooking the turkey at home, why not throw on the podcast and listen to it with your friends and family as well? My name is Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Contributor to AthlonSports.com. I will have the game preview for this weekend's game against Rutgers coming up in the next couple of days. I'm also a contributor over on NBCSports.com's college football talk, so you can get some national uh, perspective as well over there. So make sure you check those out and check me out on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. I know it's always tough listening to a podcast about your favorite team after a loss, but I hope I was able to help you get through the pain and suffering from this weekend's loss at Ohio State. We'll try to do it again tomorrow as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Until tomorrow, have a great Monday. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you then.